Find out today in episode 33 how you can use saunas in your detoxification journey. Good morning everyone, my name is Dr. Cameron Jones and I'm an environmental microbiologist and on today's live stream I've got some very interesting information to share with you and I want to talk about how to use saunas for detoxification of mould and this is a really interesting approach because certainly every week on these live streams, we talk about a lot of the building related factors associated with mold exposure and how this can make you feel very unwell and the fundamental microbiology underpinning why this is a serious public health threat. But I often don't spend enough time focusing on the research literature that shows practical methods for detoxification of mold. And so I wanted to talk about that today. Now, before we get into this, I, because it's a big week in the microbiology world, I need to talk about uh, some of the uh, breaking news that's been occurring. And so we are going to get into that now. Okay, well, it is World Neglected Tropical Diseases Day. Now, I realize that this occurred on the 30th of January, but I wanted to mention this because this is one of those underappreciated uh, events that occurs on the uh, health calendar each year. And there are a range of fungal mediated diseases which have been captured in this very important day that I just want to quickly highlight. And two of them are getting uh, increasing attention by the World Health Organization. And one of them is called farmer's lung. And this is a uh, acute uh, uh, fungal infection which causes severe facial deformations. And this is really a, a severe problem uh, especially in developing countries. And mycetoma as well is a soil, fungal and bacterial related illness that is picked up through cuts and abrasions uh, predominantly in the feet, which leads to the formation of these solid masses that eventually can cause damage to bones. And I know each week we talk a lot about the relationship between the built environment in the urban context and the impact that uh, uh, mold has. But you need to bear in mind that these world uh, neglected tropical diseases, molds and bacteria flourish in damp, humid, wet conditions. And there are a whole host of these which certainly don't get enough research funding. And World NTD Day is a very important day to mark on the healthcare calendar. And I really just wanted to draw attention to this quickly. 
I also want to talk about a new study that came out by the Royal College of Physicians in the United Kingdom. And this is a follow-on from last week whereby we were talking about a whole range of risk factors to uh, young children, uh, predominantly in school and university age from the built environment and how you can open up a dialogue with your school about some of these conditions. And I didn't even know that this study came out till I discovered it this week. And they were actually talking about a whole host of the factors which impact on the health of young people in the United Kingdom. And top of the list is mold, followed by uh, cooking smells and um, carbon monoxide, which is related to poor ventilation. These are the dominant list of factors which uh, people complain about within the built environment. And it's very interesting to note that the uh, Royal College of Physicians have released this important study. And I suggest that you uh, download this and read this for yourself. And again, they cover some very important um, information to be aware of that is being produced for the schools to take on board and actually do this to practically control their indoor air quality potential problems to reduce the healthcare burden. And top of the list again is opening windows to bring in fresh air, the use of uh, dehumidifiers and also air purifiers. And so these are the take home messages from this report. And again, I urge you to download this and read this uh, because it's very, very important and is a follow on from last week's live stream. Now, anyone who has logged into any social media this week has probably been confronted with the potential corona pandemic, which is particularly problematic in China and becoming a problem in a lot of other countries around the world. And there are, and what I want to focus on now, are these dashboards, which are these visual ways of representing not only the infection level, but the number of cases of coronavirus, the number of deaths and the number of recoveries. And there are a range of these dashboards which have been developed and they are very, very uh, credible and important sources of information which anyone who is tracking this uh, uh, really serious um, uh, viral uh, uh, infection problem needs to be aware of. And the first one is developed uh, by John Hopkins University. So academic uh, computer scientists have developed this dashboard. And I've put up the uh, link at the bottom of this live stream. And uh, I, this screenshot was taken last night. And you can see that 427 deaths had been recorded. And there are a whole lot of interactive features in this dashboard. But there are others out there. The World Health Organization has also produced uh, an interactive dashboard. But I certainly uh, consider the John Hopkins University one superior. Now, also overnight, another very interesting company uh, um, called ACOER.com are taking advantage of blockchain-based um, uh, platforms on which to also develop their own visualization platform for tracking the disease. And you can see that uh, again early this morning, the number of uh, total deaths had increased from last night. So unfortunately, this um, 
disease uh, is getting worse. So the infection rate, I should say, is getting worse. And I suggest that anyone who is following these uh, outbreaks should be looking at these credible sources to track the statistics uh, in uh, uh, pretty much real time. And what is very interesting about the tracker that I have up on the screen now is it also provides information on the Google Trends. And there has been a worrying um, development in that uh, social media is certainly being censored to some extent with regard to uh, the infection um, information that is coming out on the platforms. And this really is to combat misinformation and fake news. But you can certainly see that in this blockchain-based visualization, the Google Trends search is actually decreasing. So really, we don't have any reasons for that. But I suspect that there are uh, a number of pressures being placed on news agencies to uh, ensure that information coming out is credible. And at the end of the day, the credible information really comes down to the transmission rate, the infection rate, the number of people who recover and that sort of information. So I urge you to uh, move in and have a look at these uh, dashboards for important information. Now, the main topic of today is how to use saunas for detoxification. And this is also uh, important because uh, detoxification, the whole concept around this is that with environmental pollutants, not just molds, but also other pollutants, chemical pollutants and other infections, there is a rich history of using heat in a way to provide a, uh, a healthcare modality. And I want to go over in part one of this live stream uh, what some of the literature says about this. And the first paper that I want to review came out by an, author, uh, an author by the name of uh, Janet Hope back in 2013. And she talked about a whole range of uh, different ways to detoxify from mold. But before we jump into what her paper says, I want to review the context of this because up to 50% of illnesses are thought to be caused by exposure to indoor air pollution. And that is an incredible figure because the cumulative impact of the air we breathe, the surfaces we touch, does have an impact on our overall health. And other key statistics have stated that up to 10 to 50% of the indoor environments in developed countries such as Australia, Europe, India, Japan, and the United States are affected by indoor dampness. That is a lot of buildings that are potential health threats to people. And of course, just reviewing how this occurs, mold exposure causes illness by either direct infection, via allergy and toxicity, or irritation. And the severity of the exposure is linked to the range of symptoms. And of course, this is connected with the overall health of the individuals and of course their nutritional status. So Janet Hope says quite a few things and her paper lists a number of different treatment modalities. And we're gonna be going over only one of them, but I do need to list these because they're probably very familiar to the mold toxicity uh, community out there. And obviously, Mold avoidance and reducing your exposure is the number one method 
to see a reduction in your symptoms. And certainly there are a lot of uh, practitioners and authors and researchers and uh, people with experience who have been able to demonstrate very clearly that mold avoidance, even if it's taken to the extreme, is possibly the only way to solve mold problems. Now, glutathione is another very interesting supplement, and there are a range of different uh, uh, ways of getting glutathione. Whey protein is one. There are specific nutritional supplements that aid the uh, conversion and manufacture of glutathione in the body. In fact, we're going to make an entire live stream on glutathione later this year, but this is related to the inflammation and mitochondrial pathways, and that's something to be aware of. Like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. And remember, this podcast is actually part of a live stream that I do every week on Thursdays. So check it out on Facebook or on YouTube. Now back to the show. Also, there is the uh, uh, important use of sequestering agents. And many nutritional practitioners and integrative medical uh, personnel uh, are strong advocates of sequestering agents such as cholestyramine, uh, um, activated carbon, charcoal, and that sort of thing. Because there is the premise that these are a toxin within the body that need to be bound and then uh, excreted from the body. As well, improving the nutritional status of people with mold symptoms uh, and improving uh, their uh, overall immune function uh, via the use of antioxidants is also uh, covered in Janet Hope's paper, as well as uh, introducing dietary interventions and probiotics. But we are going to be talking not just about health-related improvements like weight reduction and exercise. Janet Hope also reviews the important opportunity presented by saunas. And she says, not only are they relaxing, but I need to give you some background about the saunas. There are two different main types. There are dry heat saunas and there are far infrared heat saunas. And they have multiple benefits, which are summarized in her paper. And then we're going to dive into some of the other research literature that also talks about this before and after her publication. And the first benefit is that people with cardiovascular disease and a whole range of respiratory problems show improvement after spending time in saunas of either type. Also, people with elevated uh, hypertension or blood pressure show quantifiable reductions in their blood pressure after sauna use. There is a lot of research literature out there showing that the pain response is also uh, treatable with saunas, and there's a lot of exercise physiology and some great work on this that leads back to inflammation research as well. And there's some lovely research on chronic fatigue and saunas as well. But mold exposure is the topic of today's show, and so I'm going to restrict my attention to what we know about the use of saunas for mold exposure patients. And again, moving on, I want to quickly review what the literature said. So in the First 
publication which has been done by, uh, uh, you can see the Earl at the bottom of this screen. Again, this clinician wanted to treat his patients and so he needed to reduce their allergy response and he did this by applying antigen injections, either of mold antigens or of mycotoxin uh, uh, antigens, as well as providing nutritional support antioxidant support and one of the modalities is the use of saunas. So what he discovered is that 28 people who had been mold exposed were given these various protocols and all of them showed significant improvement with 27 out of the 28 being able to go back to work. And his conclusions and I urge you to read this paper yourself, the Earl is listed below, that heat and physical therapy appear to decrease these patients' total toxic load of mycotoxins, and they became more energetic and less hypersensitive as the treatment progressed. And you'll note that there's an interesting word in there called depuration. I didn't know what this meant, and I'm going to define it for you now. It is the action or process of freeing something of impurities. And this is one of the tenets of detoxification. And there is excellent literature demonstrating that physiologically, the body does seem to respond positively to these detoxification protocols, one of which we're covering today. So if we move on now, how has this been achieved and who is going to benefit? Well, what this doctor did is he subdivided the group of patients into three groups, really their complexity classes depending on their symptoms. And the first group was the people who got better very quickly and they got better via mold avoidance and maybe with the introduction of mold antigen injections to reduce their allergy response. The second group of people are a bit more complex and they improved after desensitization as well as the introduction of mold antigen injections and antigens of mycotoxins. That is the uh, precise mycotoxin produced as a secondary metabolite by molds, which causes a whole range of problems for people. And then the third group of people received mold antigen injections, mycotoxin antigen injections, and a whole range of uh, other uh, methods, including sauna, nutritional support, and oxygen therapy. And what were the results? Well, I'm gonna tell you now. 85% of people cleared completely. 14% of people showed partial improvement, and 1% were unfortunately unchanged. But you need to focus on the 85% that got better. Now, I do realize that this doctor applied a whole range of different protocols to the patients in the clinical setting, including allergy reduction with injections. But it is very, very important to note that the more complex group of people received the soreness and that led to them improving. So overall, the percentages were very high, meaning that there is hope. And really that's the whole point of today's live stream, 
to say that there is some very good literature out there that should offer people who are suffering mold exposure a good degree of hope. And what he concluded was that a sauna lasting 10 to 30 minutes daily was used for patients in this third group, the most complex group, to detoxify the body faster. Now, next week in part two, I'm going to be discussing how saunas have been used for detoxification in firefighters. And in fact, I am just getting the full paper from one of the universities now. But what this paper has to say is that firefighters in their daily work are exposed to a whole range of environmental inhalable pollutants. This particulate matter, the fine and coarse particles, the fact that a couple of weeks ago we talked about pyroaerosols, which are these colloids that contain smoke particles and biological materials. These polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons are associated with a whole bunch of adverse health effects, including putting a, a stress on the coronary system of the firefighters and being linked to several cancers. And so this very interesting paper has come out talking about how saunas have been used to reduce the level of polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons in these people. And we'll be talking about that at length. As well, I'm going to be talking about sauna bathing and aging because there is some excellent research as well linking this practice with uh, a whole bunch of other health-related materials. So, in conclusion, it's been a big week in public health, especially with the coronavirus. But like all things, we need to get access to good data. So I urge you to have a look at some of these dashboards, which provide some numerical commentary on this infection. I suggest that you review the literature that I've provided uh, and certainly will be given in the show notes below regarding the sauna use. And you consider if you are acutely affected by mold exposure, consider and discuss this with your own healthcare provider. Uh, and maybe this is something which will benefit you. In any case, my name's Dr. Cameron Jones. I hope you have a great week and I'll see you next week. Bye for now.